Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Well, this being the new year, I thought we'd explore a fresh start on things. It's kind of an interesting thing. I always find it an interesting phenomenon that um, this arbitrary agreement that one day is the end and the next day a new beginning. As arbitrary as it is, it has such a deep impact on all of us. Partly because we're all going through a collective experience, the whole world going through an ending and beginning. And so it can't help but affect our consciousness. And usually new beginnings are uh, um, an uplifting point in time as conceptual as it is, uh, because it always um, invites uh, limitless possibilities as we journey into the unknown. It's kind of interesting how sometimes going into the unknown is a cause for wariness, trepidation, uh, but when it's a complete beginning, like the beginning of a new year, ah, closure and hopefully some healing and fresh start. You know, it's kind of like pressing the, the C on, the, on a calculator. If you remember calculators. Yeah. Ah, fresh start. Last week, if you were here, uh, you um, took part in this little ritual, this little ceremony we did at the end of um, having inviting people to uh, write what they were wanting to uh, let go of or weaken as far as unwholesome habits and wanting to strengthen as far as wholesome habits. Uh, right out of the Buddha's teachings where he said weaken the unwholesome and strengthen the wholesome and what we did if you weren't here we uh, people came up and put their half I hope you put the right half in of what you wanted to let go of uh, into the the bowl into the bell bowl and uh, hope you have kept the uh, the half that can remind you of your vision for uh, for the year. How many people have kept their half? No, their half is oh good. Yeah, look at it regularly. And just for closure, for closure, uh, just 
For a sense of closure, I um, want you to know that uh, we did a ceremony, uh, Jane and I, uh, where we um, put all the, the papers together in, uh, on our uh, big cast iron pan in our stove, uh, Wedgwood stove, old Wedgwood stove, and uh, burn them. And then there was just a pile of ashes. Uh, doing it, first we uh, um, chanted the refuges and um, did that to uh, the same cut that we did it last, last week as we were going through that ceremony uh, of Ramdas. I had been sharing some reflections of Ramdas last week as part of the, part of the evening. Uh, Ramdas and Krishnadas in the back chanting, uh, I, am, I am loving awareness, and we played that. It was just perfect timing, just by the end. It's a 10-minute cut, and just by the end is the last ash. It was kind of pretty amazing. Hmm. All right. And then we took those ashes, uh, put them together, and uh, brought them out into my backyard and uh, planted them, or dug a hole and buried them in, uh, by our tree in our backyard. Uh, fortunate to have a redwood tree that's growing. It's not a big backyard. It's kind of a small backyard, but we have a redwood tree there. And um, buried, the, um, buried the ashes there, again, in a kind of ritual way. And that felt really good. And just as we were reflecting on the collective good intention of everybody who offered their, their paper to us. So, as we start this year, looking at intention, I thought would be appropriate. How many people have made uh, New Year's resolutions? Anyone? Okay. You don't have to be shy about it. It's okay. It's wonderful. It's, it's great to have an idea of what you want to cultivate. As I was saying before, when I was mentioning about the, the course, the joy course, you know, it's all about having a vision of what you want to create and practicing good habits. That's, that's basically, if you want to sum up the Buddha's um, basic approach to waking up, it's cultivating good habits and weakening unskillful habits that are all part of being human. But resolution has a different kind of a ring to it than intention. Actually, resolution or resolve is one of, one of the, the ten qualities, ten perfections that the Buddha spoke of, the ten paramitas or paramis, one is called aditana or resolve, determination, that is very helpful in doing this practice that over time that you're going to keep on facing in the right direction. But it's a resolve not, am I there yet? Did I make it happen? But will I just keep on giving wholehearted effort? But often when we have resolutions, it's, I'm going to change 
now for good, or this is what I'm going to be you know, really trying to make happen. And it's, it's beautiful. I have goals as well. But intention is, is a bit different. Wise intention, which is the second factor on the Eightfold Path, which is the Buddha's prescription for awakening, after wise understanding or right view, right and wise are pretty much uh, synonymous, and uh, understanding and view are the same thing. So the first step in the Eightfold Path is, can be called right understanding or right view or wise understanding or wise view. So the first link in that Eightfold Prescription is understanding how the game works. We're having some some basic fundamental understanding of cause and effect, that what you practice, you will develop. Understanding the fact that trying to hold on to changing experience is suffering. Understanding the Four Noble Truths, which are about there's suffering, there's a cause of suffering, there's an end to suffering, and there's this path leading to the end of suffering. So understanding, oh, this is where how happiness, how true happiness, deep happiness can be awakened in us. And once that first step is understood, then the next step, the second step is wise or right intention. Sometimes it's called right thought. Right thought, right intention, wise thought, wise intention, same thing. Second step on the Eightfold Path. Because it's one thing to see, oh, that's how it works. And if you stop there, you're selling yourself short. But wise intention is... I'm going for it. This is where I'm going to put my energy and my heart and I'm going to face in this direction. And then from that unfolds the rest of the Eightfold Path. (coughs) Wise speech, action, livelihood, that is getting our relational life in harmony and or a mind training, mental training, wise effort, mindfulness, concentration. But intention is the key. Once you kind of get the bigger picture, and that's what puts the whole process in motion. You're moving from, oh, that would be a good idea, to I'm going to make it happen. However, this is not with a timetable or a report card. That's where things get a little bit tricky. If we get impatient or we get frustrated when we're not quite um, achieving our, our goals fast enough, it's just facing in the right direction 
and doing our part to make that happen. Intending is the basis of karma. As one famous statement of the Buddha says, intending, I tell you, is karma. Intending through body, speech, and mind, we create karma. So, you can do something that doesn't turn out the way you wanted, but if you've got a good heart in it, you are, uh, you're, there's good karma in that, just to have the intention to act for the good, do no harm, and, and purify the mind. This is the Buddha's, let me pull it up here on my phone, uh, words on right intention and wrong intention. This is uh, from Middle Length Discourses, number 117. Okay. What is wrong intention? Intention coming out of sensual desire, the intention of ill will, and the intention of cruelty. This is wrong intention. That is, if you're acting out of attachment, out of, oh, what's the next thing that I can, I can get that's going to feel groovy and we're attached to it. Not that you can't enjoy the pleasures in life, but if there's attachment to it, if there's craving for it, um, you're planting seeds of grasping and seeds of unwholesome karma. If you act out of ill will, or if you act out of cruelty, you're planting seeds of unwholesome karma. Okay. And what is right intention? Mm. The intention of renunciation, which is not a very fun word maybe for some to hear. Renunciation. Oh yeah, give me some renunciation. Uh, it's the opposite of acting out of craving. Renunciation, another way to say it, is simplicity. Is um, really moving towards contentment. So that might sound a little bit better than martyrdom and deprivation that you might think of with renunciation. But when you are experiencing contentment, when you are able to let go of what you don't need, renunciation, wise intention, right intention, is intention with non-ill will, non-ill will, that's... uh, the Buddha was fond of negatives. He didn't say, it's this, it's this, it's this. He says, no, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, and what you have left over, keep. Okay. But non-ill will, another way of saying non-ill will, is kindness. When you're acting from kindness, or basic warmth, or basic goodwill, you're planting wholesome seeds of wise intention that flower as happiness and well-being and intention of non-cruelty 
And another way of saying non-cruelty, the opposite of cruelty is compassion. So when you're acting out of compassion and caring or out of kindness or um, supporting simplicity and not feeding our craving, these are all wholesome intentions. Mm. So as we're here at the beginning of the year, it's good to get clear on what our intentions are and our visions are for what we want to create. Letting go of the report card, letting go of the timetable, letting go of the pass-fail test, and just knowing we're facing in the right direction. And then once we are clear and can be inspired by our vision, it's a matter of inclining our mind and our heart in that direction, which is very different than, am I there yet? Did I succeed? Did I not succeed? But you're just turning your mind and your heart towards cultivating particular qualities inside. This is what I was saying before around the, that, uh, the joy course, and just cultivating different wholesome states and saying, okay, let's just practice this. And there's a famous teaching that the Buddha has in another discourse in Majjhima number 19, where he says, whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of their mind. Whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of their mind. That's pretty much how it works. We are creatures of habit. In modern neuroscience, the uh, corollary to that, or the the, the uh, contemporary way of saying that neurons that fire together wire together. And they can track and see that's how this works. You're just cultivating habits. And the Buddha said, go for the good habits because you have to practice with awareness going for good habits because the way the game is kind of... When, don't want to say rigged, but the way it's the way it's uh, the way it's put together is we naturally fall into habits of greed, aversion, and delusion if we're not awake, and that's like that's the game of waking up. Oh, waking up and seeing. Oh, I don't really want to go there. Oh, let's go for the real happiness. Let's go for the for the real gems instead of the quick hits. Mm -hmm. So this means that we have to have the intention to change and get really clear about that intention. And it's not so much, mm, as I said, goal, but it's 
a heartfelt decision right inside to do your part to keep practicing a certain habit of mind and heart and then letting life support you in that. Because the more you come from sincerity of heart, even if you mess up, the more you keep on coming back to that sincere heart, you're starting to change the wiring inside. And this takes patience because we've practiced habits, other kinds of habits, all of our lives. The default setting is seems to be greed, hatred, and delusion. Uh, often, not always. We all have a lot of love in us and, and compassion in us. But if we're not awake, the quick hit takes over. So it takes a lot of patience. But it starts with having a vision of what you want to create. There's one of my uh, favorite contemporary teachings of how things change are, is from a, a great um, um, writer from the early 19th, uh, 20th century, Napoleon Hill. He wrote this book called Think and Grow Rich. It's kind of a... Anybody know Think and Grow Rich? You people... It sounds like it kind of, oh, is, is that going to be a very high book, very spiritual book? It's a great book. It is a great book. Uh, really, he was putting in prosperity consciousness the secrets that the Buddha talked about, that of, of having a vision and going for it and putting your heart into it. And the, the pithy essence of the, of the secret that he would, would uh, say is whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. What the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. If you don't conceive it for yourself, if you say, oh, that's, that's interesting philosophy, yeah, okay, well, I kind of got the theory, uh, that's falling short. But if you conceive, hmm, I want to go for this, the most important first step. But then you need to believe in that possibility. That's a big step. Believing in that possibility means it's more than just an idea. This is something that you're going for and that you can actually imagine that it can happen. And the more you keep on with that, that intention, life seems to support you in that. But it means you can't get discouraged by failure. And in fact, when you have made your resolution, New Year's resolution, or when we do this in a, in a few moments, um, you might see all the ways that you fall short. Don't be discouraged. In fact, 
feel good about the fact that you're noticing, oh, hmm, I, I'm working on this, hmm, I'm not quite there right now. Humbling, definitely, but inspiring because you're noticing, whereas otherwise you'd be below the, it would be below the radar and you wouldn't notice it and you'd just be repeating over and over. But if you say, oh, I really want to work on this and I'm seeing it, if you're not judging it, then you're giving yourself an opportunity to learn another way. But it all starts what, with um, having that vision and then just going for it. And I thought I'd share with you, let's see if I have it here, um, a story about somebody who did this, an inspiring story for me. This is from a book that um, I often recommend called How We Choose to Be Happy by Rick Foster and Greg Hicks. The Nine Choices of Extremely Happy People, Their Secrets, Their Stories. These guys who become uh, good friends, um, if you haven't ever heard this before, they went around doing research for three years interviewing extremely happy people. And they came across about 300 extremely happy people. (laughs) Certifiably happy people. They'd ask them, you happy? Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Then they'd ask people in their lives, is she happy? She's really happy. And they'd say, why are you so happy? And they distilled nine different choices of these people. And the first choice is intention, the intention to decide to go for happiness. And these sto- it's, it's filled with lots of great stories of these people And um, you might think, oh, well, they just had a good life and uh, they're happy that way. But most of these stories are people who decided to be happy against all odds, or many of them just how you usually learn by going through through, uh, difficulties. And this is Maddie's story. This is in the chapter on intention and how making a decision can set you on a whole nother course. Maddie is a media personality in the Northeast who knows everybody in town, from the mayor to the captain of industry to the star players on the football team to her local mailman. When we asked her, who's the happiest person in this city? She said, me. Within a few minutes, we were convinced. The same warmth that flows over the airwaves is equally apparent the moment she walks into a room. We immediately scheduled an interview for the next day. As she told us the story of her life, the contrast between the happy woman we saw before us and the unhappy childhood she described was remarkable. Maddie's parents were part of the Hollywood elite of the early 1950s. She should have had an idyllic childhood, enjoying the opulent grounds of the mansion in which she was raised. But each new day in the lives of nine-year-old Maddie and her little brother Carl brought new uncertainties and fears. Their mother, alcoholic, drug-addicted, and violent, periodically 
took an axe to the family Cadillac, as Maddie's mother's addictions took hold and her violent behavior increased, Maddie's father abandoned the family. Eventually, even the servants fled in the face of her unpredictable rages. Maddie and Carl were left alone with their disturbed mother, who often didn't leave the house for days on end. Miles from the nearest market, they lived on peanut butter and tried to stay out of their mother's way. And this is Maddie talking. My brother and I were usually by ourselves all day long. On school days, the bus dropped us off to a quiet and foreboding house. Some days, we would hardly see our mother at all. We were so unhappy, almost numb. I knew the kids at school were different from us. I wanted to be like them. They were relaxed. They laughed and joked and seemed to really enjoy their days. This was mysterious to me at the time. Then one day I said to myself, I'm going to be happy just like the other kids. I remember telling Carl I had it all figured out. Maddie could see that her mother was miserable compared to the other mothers she knew. She reasoned that the only way to be happy was to do exactly the opposite of what her mother did. She came up with an ingenious plan to learn in reverse. Here's her talking again. One day, sitting on the steps outside the vacant servants' quarters where we would hide out, Carl and I made a pact. We promised each other that we would find new ways to be happy every day. And each time we did, whether it was playing a new game, telling a new joke, or having a good laugh, we would be different from her. This was a moment that will be etched in my memory forever. Carl and I still talk about it as the liberating moment in our childhood. Maddie and Carl challenged each other to look for every opportunity to create happiness for themselves. Their focus on seeking happiness became an intrinsic part of their lives. For most children, happiness is taken for granted because it is an assumed component of family life. They don't actively spend time imagining happiness or considering it or searching for it. But Maddie and Carl's vow to each other gave them a high degree of consciousness about happiness. And this awareness carried over into their adult lives. Her talking again. Creating happiness became part of our identity and set the course for our futures. To this day, seeking every opportunity for happiness remains a part of my daily life and defines my personality. As difficult as their childhood circumstances were, Maddie and Carl had each other. They drew their strength and courage to fight for happiness from each other, and together they found it. All there from the decision, I'm going a different route. And then, practicing it, it just became a habit. That's how they inclined their mind. Now, I just want to say around that, and also just in case you're wondering about the course, happy people are not happy all the time. So, you know, don't think, oh, 
Well, I'm just going to go around with a big smile on my face. No, happy people who have some understanding of well-being can be with the hard stuff. It's part of life. The losses, the grieving, the concern, the fear that perhaps these times are stirring up for you, but not overwhelmed by them. And they don't miss all the blessings in their life. Because it takes practice to notice the good, much more practice than to notice what's wrong. That's how our brains are wired up. That's basic neuroscience, that little amygdala, almond-shaped cluster of neurons that scans the horizon for what can go wrong. And under stress, it's activated that much more consistently. So this is not about all of a sudden magically changing, but it's about having a vision and doing your part, and then you're learning each step of the way, letting life support you, and noticing each time there's a small success, and noticing each time that you forget. This is a a piece I've read here before, probably... Uh, a number of you are familiar with, but it's so appropriate for this. Autobiography in Five Short Chapters by Portia Nelson. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down another street. (laughs) (laughs) This takes patience. But every time you find yourself having fallen in the hole, oh, oh, when she says it's my fault, not to blame yourself, but oh, I have agency here. I can do things in a different way. And little by little, you start learning to walk down another street. So, as we start this new year, and um, perhaps a good time to get in touch, maybe what you wrote last week, maybe something, uh, a, a larger vision for your intention, to just face in the right direction and do your part to make it happen and besides conceiving it, believing it and um, being patiently working towards achieving it. Mm. And one last thing that I'll, I'll say and then we'll do, uh, do some practicing together is if your intention is not only for your own well-being, 
but seeing your own well-being and what you want to create as developing more wholesomeness, more goodness, more love, more compassion, more wisdom and understanding that that becomes a gift to everyone, then you're widening your intention and it is a much more powerful, inspiring vision. So, uh, I'd like us to just uh, play around with this. Here we are, the second day of the year. Let's go for it. Okay? No report card, but just let's face in the right direction. So I just invite you, you might have already been playing around with this in your mind these last days, as you know the new year is starting. Get in touch with what really inspires you to create within yourself. What is your heart's desire that will bring about true well-being besides any object or experience? What do you want to cultivate within yourself for the benefit of all? What are you practicing these days? It's always so much more enriching if your Dharma practice is about practicing, working, developing something within yourself, something good and wholesome. And I'll just be quiet for a few moments and let you reflect on that. Remember, this is simply inclining the mind and the heart to face in the direction of greater wisdom, kindness, compassion. And if you have a vision, then just imagine what it would be like as you continue practicing cultivating that quality or this vision as your mindfulness practice, as your Dharma practice. Just pick one thing, you know. Make it doable. Don't go for full enlightenment by April, just something that you want to develop within yourself, want to keep on working on and cultivating. And just imagine what it would be like as you keep on practicing heading in that direction. 
deepening those neural pathways. What it would be like for you and for everyone else in your life. That rippling effect. And if you can conceive it, now see if you can believe that it's possible to keep strengthening, developing that vision. Not wishing, not hoping it would happen, but just believing it can happen and then the magic quality of intention, deciding, deciding to do your part to make that happen. Knowing you might forget, knowing the humanness will come out, but just deciding to give it a shot. There's power in that decision. The power comes from your sincerity of heart. Your wholesome intention you can conceive and believe you can achieve. Just face in the right direction with patience, sincerity, conviction. like you to do if you are open to it is to um, turn to somebody near you and witness them and be witnessed. You don't have to go into lots of details but just the essence of what your heart has um, called forth and there's something powerful about putting it into words and being witnessed that other person is an agent of life witnessing you and supporting you and you supporting them if you prefer not to then you can just perhaps uh, stay within yourself and um, formulate some words 
within yourself. In fact, before we turn to, uh, to a partner, just you might put it into a, a succinct set of words, this intention, this one practice intention, Dharma practice intention for these coming months. Okay, and now you can um, turn to one person. If you, uh, if there's three of you, you can. Uh, it can be more than one. But if you're looking for somebody, raise your hand and uh, witness them as a sacred act, and um, be witnessed as well.
How many people need more time? Okay, just another few moments. And uh, thank your partner, and uh, just know that they're rooting for you, and you're rooting for them. So we have just a few minutes left. Any... um, any comments, any observations, uh, anything that you want to share before we end the evening? Thanks, Brian. Well, I just wanted to say something that probably everybody else has thought of, but that this year is the year of perfect vision, you know, 2020 vision. So it's the year of the year of seeing clearly. So let's hope so. Yeah. And I I want to just I'm going to mention something. Uh, well, first, any any other comments before? Okay. Uh, was it? No. Um, was the hand up somewhere? No. Okay. Fine. Yeah, that's okay. You can sit down. This is a pretty big year. I won't get too much into it now, but I hope you realize this is a big year. This is... We're at a juncture right now in our history of civilization and on this planet. And I hope you hold it as I do that we need all the consciousness we can get. And the more you cultivate that consciousness within yourself, the more it ripples out to everybody else around. So, this is a year to go for it, to bring the best out of you, and to um, show up. Uh, I've been saying things like this for a while now, and here we are at this crucial year in humanity. Um, So I share this. My motivation in sharing it uh, when I was thinking about what to to talk about was not just to, oh, 
have you have a nice little New Year's seed. It's to really have us support each other in bringing out the best in each other. This is what all this practice is about. And it's, as I said, just there at the end, it's not just for ourselves, it's for everyone. So go for it with, as one of my inspirations says, uh, as a joyful responsibility to bring the best out of you. And that's contagious in itself. So I'm so happy that you would want to come here on a Thursday night and meditate together and we can support each other in, in our consciousness and, and awakening. Um, and um, just know we're not just doing it for a little stress reduction. What we do in here makes a difference out there. So um, I'll just share this little uh, quote that perhaps you're familiar with on this process, the power of committing from the Scottish Himalayan Expedition by W.H. Murray. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy. The chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there's one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That is that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. A whole stream of events Issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no person could have dreamt would have come their way. I've learned a deep respect for one of Goethe's couplets. Whatever you can do, or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. So let's close with a short loving kindness and include in there um, Thomas, who's struggling with addiction. Love to Eva and Stefan, Koheri's family and friends losing them both the last day of 2019. Eva and Stefan Cohen, Cohen's families and friends. Mm. For Megan and Amaya, whose mental illnesses are challenging them right now. Julia, struggling with mental health issues. You might think of all the people in this world who can use our compassion and include yourself in there. May all be in touch with the goodness inside. May they share their love well. 
may all know true peace and well-being and happiness. And may our coming together for the evening be of benefit to all beings everywhere and uh, this planet that we're on, this amazing home. Happy New Year. I'll see you next week if you come. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.